Welcome to the 3D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Again, be joined by regular co-host Justin Lewis. Know you've heard a lot from us uh, this month, but of course that was the expectation with all that's been going on. And Justin, it's hard to believe, but it has finally occurred. Ten days ago, we were talking about four big decisions that the Grizzlies had coming up. We thought that it was probably going to be, you know, probably within 30 days or so it would be taken care of. But now all four seem to be in place, and the biggest and most significant one took place today. Mike Conley traded to the Utah Jazz. Uh, just your initial thoughts before we break it down. Um, my my initial thoughts were when, when it was coming out that it was going to be uh, the Utah Jazz making the move. I, I just thought there's there's nothing. Um, that they have to offer that I'm interested in. I, I was begging that it wouldn't be Utah. And um, that's not how it went down. I'm actually very excited about um, the package that was uh, sent back to us that we'll dive into. But yeah, that's my, my initial thought there. Well, I completely agree with you. I, I think that, you know, I, I was talking about, you know, last week on the, one of the podcast, and I didn't want them to really focus on the 19 draft for their haul for Conley. We, we talked just, you know, the uh, uh, Monday night about, you know, how we were hoping, you know, it, we, you know, that Utah would be a leverage pool, but I agree with you. I, I really do think that the Grizzlies to make it work out now, they made the jazz come out of their character and made them give up Allen and that second pick. I really think that that's what did it. I think that once Utah was able to meet that and the other things that, you know, are byproducts of this that we'll get to in a minute. I think that's what made them, um, you know, the Grizzlies go ahead and make this move. So we'll start with Conley himself, Justin. Uh, obviously, it's sad to see him go, but it does seem like it's the right time. Uh, we obviously have talked about some of the great Conley memories. We'll probably get to that, you know, in, in another podcast soon. But just for Conley himself, is there not an added sense of accomplishment here for the Grizzlies? that just like they did Gasol, they sent him to a place where he legitimately has a chance to win and win big over the next two years? Yeah, I mean, we, we did right by um, probably the second best player in our in our franchise history. I think Gasol might be the best we've ever had. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been – the pairing of him and Donovan Mitchell uh, could be perhaps one of the best backcourts in, in the entire NBA. Uh, next season, and then of course there's there's Rudy Gobert still, and then Ingles. Like they they have a solid solid starting five. Uh, Quinn Snyder's a great coach. Um, it's a system that's going to be you know set up well for Mike. Um, I just it just depends on like man. I hope that it's like an easy pass, and and he gets his ring like Mark did. But we have no idea what's about to happen the next. Uh, two weeks in the NBA, which is why I love the NBA. Draft night, I assume, is going to be crazy. Free agency is going to be nuts. So we don't know how the West is going to play out. Um, but but I'm hoping that it plays out very favorably for Mike. You know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, with Dante Exa not being involved, that, that may have been a benefit for the Grizzlies. But I really do think if he gets back to health, plus if they decide to keep Derek Favors, which I, I think makes some sense, for them to do potentially, I can see why they would want to cut him, but that that potentially right there is is a very good 
um, five or you know starting five, like you said, with seven deep um, to look at it. So let's break down this hall. Let's let's really look at this hall from you know for it by itself to begin with. Kyle Corver, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, the twenty third pick in this year's NBA draft, and then a first round pick that has a lot of stipulations to it. The breakdown of the stipulations are this. In both 2020 and 2021, if the pick lands anywhere between the 8th and 14th spots in the draft, the Grizzlies get it. Otherwise, the Jazz, you know, keep it. That's likely, with the Jazz probably making the playoffs both years. So in 2022, the pick works almost nearly exactly like uh, the Grizzlies situation with Boston has been. 2022, I believe it's, you know, if it's 1 through 6, the Jazz keep it. Then it becomes one through four. Then it becomes one, you know, all the way through 2024. So a lot of stipulations there, but but in the end, it likely will be a good draft pick in 2022. Justin, when you look at that hall, when you look at the picks plus the players, how do you feel? Do you feel the Grizzlies could could have gotten better in terms of a, a potential haul from another team? And are at the end, are how satisfied are you with this with this haul by itself? Um. I, I mean, people are hating on Grayson Allen, and his numbers weren't great. He showed some signs of like, yeah, this kid can play. Uh, and you don't go to Duke if you can't play. But how many rookies are what they're going to be four or five years from now? You know, Giannis was nothing like he is now in his rookie year. And I'm not comparing Grayson to Giannis or the hell you get anywhere near that. So what I'm saying is it's very rare for what you see is what you get uh, for the rest of their career from a rookie. Like they're going to grow. They're going to develop. They're in, you know, they're going to learn the NBA and how the games play differently. Uh, so I think Grayson can be a rotation guy um, in Memphis and, and fans will grow uh, to love how hard he plays. Now, I don't think there's any intention for Kyle Korver to play a uh, game for the Grizzlies. Um, I think he will be brought in. Although we've always needed shooting and we'd always have begged for a guy like Kyle Korver, I think the intention for him to come in is to be waived because his contract is non-guaranteed. Um, and then with Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder is like that grit and grind guy that we've been wanting. Uh, the guy that was the, the three and D type guy. Um, I think that he could still have some value uh, playing for this team, but I also am not completely sold that there's any plan for him to be a part of the team. Like there's a report that came out that we were looking to attach uh, or looking to trade Jay Crowder and maybe 23. Um, there may be some contenders that are looking and when free agency hits, some teams that maybe will need somebody like Crowder that may trade for. Or he may be somebody that's on the roster uh, up until the trade deadline, and because he's in fine contract, uh, somebody trades for him. So you, you put all that together, and you look at it like this: if you waive Corver and you waive Avery Bradley, and then the amount of money that was essentially traded between Conley and Corver, you have created. You could get up to around $50 million in cap space this summer with a plethora of free agents out there. Now, many of the free agents are going to be looking to get big deals, max contracts, or uh, want to go to a contender and have a max contract. And not everybody's going to be able to do that. So the Grizzlies could sneak out of free agency this year 
um, with a player. I don't I don't have any idea that it's who. Like obviously, we've always been interested in Tobias Harris, and he he falls in that range. But the the amount of cap space that was created in this deal was genius. Uh, the draft pick situation where it could be where it's most likely going to be conveyed in 2022, which is apparently now the, the first year of the double draft of high school is coming out is genius. This was beautifully executed and way better of a package than I ever expected to get from Mike Conley. And that's something that I'll say that is the reason why I feel like that, you know, when somebody asked me the, the Grizzlies get max value for Conley from now on, I'll always answer yes. And it's not because of the package itself. It's because it hit on all areas. The Grizzlies' amount of financial flexibility they created, how quickly they're going to have access to it, kind of like you said, the talent they can bring in via free agency, or acquiring more future picks by taking on bad contracts. That could be a result of this. The financial flexibility part of it, the maneuverability of the assets that they got, the, 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 the different assets that they got, um, to, to be able to potentially bring in more assets. And, and the fact that, you know, the, the Grizzlies also have the ability to, you know, have future draft picks. The Grizzlies for so long were a front office that always seemed to be a pod. They always seemed to be a chess piece that other teams would use to, to get to, you know, the moves that they want to make. The Grizzlies never really had moves in mind to make their team better they would always be a team that would be used to make other teams better. Well, now that's not the case, and that's why I am so happy with this first move, true move, um, or the first moves in general that this front office has made. They not only ha- have have really done well on a trade itself, you could even say the Gasol trade, but they've set themselves up to where this rebuild can, can be effectively put through, it can be effectively executed on a much quicker scale now, and they now have assets they can work with to where they're the people with the uh, leverage. They're the people who are playing chess. I mean, you know, for instance, just in general, Justin, can you remember the last time we've had this much of a positive feeling going into a draft? I feel like it's been more than a decade since we've gone into a draft with this much positive momentum as a franchise. I couldn't tell you the last time I was excited heading into a draft of Memphis. That I mean, I wasn't excited heading into the Conley draft. I wasn't excited. Yeah, I wasn't excited heading into last year because of reports we were we were going to get Dodgers. I completely agree. But Justin, you know, kind of like I say, I feel like that this is a really good indicator of the front office, and I think it also is a is a sign that this front office they're betting on themselves. All this cap space that's being opened the ability to gain assets to make potential further moves with. They're betting on themselves to make the right moves and bring the right pieces in that they can develop. Are you satisfied? I mean, what what basically does this tell you about the front office? And are you very encouraged by the, you know, the first true move that they made that impacts the roster? Dude, I am all in with this front office. Um, they have continued to impress, continue to seemingly be one step ahead of the game. Um, they are putting the league on notice right now that the Grizzlies are about to be a problem. Um, I cannot believe the return that we have gotten for Gasol and Conley at the age and the contracts that those two had. Um, and just – the, the, I mean, the luck of the lottery uh, played in our favor, but they have handled this just 
just majestically. And it, I I hate that it's taken this long to get rid of Chris Wallace and get a front office in place that can do these kind of things. Um, but it's here. And Memphis Grizzlies basketball, although expecting to be a possibly a losing team next year, is exciting again. And that's awesome. And it's going to be fun. You know, Taylor Jenkins, you know, is known for being able to develop. But, you know, and, and the fact is, is that they're creating all this positive momentum while still going along with the expectation of getting job rent tomorrow, which we're about to get into. But with Taylor Jenkins, it's going to be fun. I mean, Justin, do you feel that um, if we were to, for instance, extend Valanciunas, do you feel in general, even though Taylor Jenkins said defense would be the priority, that we're going to be a fun team? It's going to be an entertaining product to watch after so many years of being one of the slower and more offensively um, limited teams out there? How could it not be fun with Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr.? I mean, what else What else do we need to say besides that? I, I completely agree. And that leads us, you know, into tomorrow night. So, obviously, the Conley trade has occurred. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably debate, you know, in, in a later podcast as we go through the offseason, you know, could they have waited? Did it make sense for them to wait? Probably we'll do that once we know more about free agency. But let's get into the draft itself. Now it's become, you know, even more um, interesting because the Grizzlies do have a second pick. Um, and we're going to discuss, you know, how they potentially can get more um, as, as the night grows on. But let's focus on that second pick first. We talked about it Monday night, but just want to, you know, lock on it again. Jonathan Javoni um, of Draft Express came out. He basically has stated that the Grizzlies, yes. I mean, he basically pulled a woge. The Grizzlies are going to pick. Job Arant with the second pick overall, but it seems like the Pelicans and what probably is a move to bolster up their chances to trade number four. They're potentially going to try to move up to two as well. Justin, is there anything at this point in time the Pelicans or another team can do that would make you move off being able to select Job Arant? Um, if Boston wants to send me Jason Tatum, or if New Orleans wants to send me the entire package that the Lakers sent them for Anthony Davis. Then we can talk about it. Uh, but John Morant is the right pick for for Memphis, and I don't I don't think that there's many phone calls that they should even waste their time listening to. Yeah, I agree with you, and I've been an advocate for them doing what they can to create as much leverage to gain as much value as they could for assets. But at the end of the day, you know they. That's what has a that was is what has allowed for them to probably make the Morant pick already locked in. They've done such a good job on their other moves so far. It just makes sense to to mitigate. You know, while it's been good moves, there is some risk involved. Mitigate that with what you've got the lucky right into and get Morant. So Morant's obviously in the fold. Now it gets interesting. We know that we have the twenty third pick, but let's work our way there first. Obviously, there was immediately immediate speculation after the Grizzlies made the trade. The way that they put everything together is that they may be able to create what's called a trade exception, where they could take on a, a max contract and a trade from another team looking to get off of it. It seems like a lot of teams potentially want to do that. We know Oklahoma City has talked about it. We just saw it earlier tonight with Milwaukee uh, making a trade to Detroit. Um, obviously, there, there are several names that are out there. Justin, do you see the Grizzlies 
potentially doing that type of trade where they may use either the 23rd pick or another asset to take on a max contract to gain a higher pick in this draft? Yeah, like the rumors of a Hassan Whiteside and a 13. Um, sign me up all day long for that. Um, Steven Adams in 21. Two years of Steven Adams next to uh, Jackson. Like if you had Adams or Whiteside next to Jackson, good luck on any team scoring in the paint. Like that's unreal. Um, and then getting another pick. So if you have 21 and 23, maybe you can pair those and move up into the late lottery. Or if you've got 13 and 23, can you move up um, into, you know, the 11 range of Minnesota and, and take somebody else? Like, the options are are crazily limited, right? or unlimited right now when we've never been in this position. I'm okay with um, taking on um, some bad contract uh, if they're attached to a pick. Don't don't send me somebody like a Stephen Adams or Son Whiteside if you're not letting us get a first round pick this year either. Attach those, and and we can talk all day long. So, Justin, let's get into some prospect ranges right there. You know, I, I don't know if if Miami. I, I think Miami. It would not be in the Miami's best interest to trade that thirteen pick with Whiteside with them trying to build, especially with Conley being a target of theirs and not going there. But say that were to occur, say somehow the Grizzlies find themselves in that thirteen to eighteen range uh, via trading twenty three. However, they may find themselves there. Who are a few guys that make sense for the Grizzlies to target? And who are a few guys that may fall that would make it worth the Grizzlies moving up? I know we focused on shooting, but is there a couple of names out there that you know maybe even shooting is not their strength that you could see the Grizzlies uh, viewing as worth moving up for? Yes, if we're talking 13 to 18 and we're talking a faller, I think the first name you throw out there that if they fail into that range, that we do what we can to get in, and that's Brandon Clark. Um, I'm not so sure that he will fall, but he is somebody that if he does, you do what you can um, to get up in there and take him. Now, the guys that are about in that range that I think you would look at, there's only two that I'm particularly interested in in the 13 to 18 range, and that's um, Tyler Hero and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Virginia Tech. Uh, those are two guys that um, I don't know how much I would particularly give up to move uh, and and get those guys because I still think at 23 we're going to have some decent options um, to to pick from. It, it's crazy that this is viewed as a weak draft, but the more and more I study some of these guys, I don't see that. I think this is actually a um, draft that's going to produce a lot of role players and maybe even – several starters. Um, now, they may not be a bunch of superstars in this draft. There may be three or four, uh, but I, I like the possibilities late lottery towards the end of the first round of getting a solid basketball player. That's what I had mentioned on Monday, I believe, that in our podcast, is that I feel like I, I have said that the depth of this draft to me is one of the weaker than it has been you know, over the past few years. But the reason I say that is because of the potential of the guys that are in it. I don't think there's much potential for true all-stars and superstars out of this draft. But one defining characteristic I think is true of this draft, if you were to look at it, you know, late into the next decade, if you were to look back, you know, on drafts over the past 10 to 15 years, I feel like this draft could produce 
the highest amount of guys who are still on rosters three to five years later. I agree with you on that. And so I definitely think that there's a lot of value in, in potentially getting multiple picks, you know, outside of the lottery, then just trading it up and having one pick in the lottery. So kind of talked about what the Grizzlies could do if they move up to that 13 to 18 range, but that would require another move for them to give up an asset. Let's talk about what they would do if they kept the asset that they had. Obviously, the one thing that Taylor Jenkins seems to put emphasis on that's not on the Grizzlies roster right now is shooting. That 23 pick seems to be in a sweet spot for some shooters. Justin, give me some names that you're looking at. There's one name in particular I think you're going to mention that I'm probably going to come undone about. But give me some names at that 23 spot that you really think are in play for the Grizzlies that would make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, so I'm currently working on an article um, of the, the guys to look at um, at the 23 spot. And the way I'm breaking it down is I'm going to have a section of guys that may fall to 23. I've got a section of guys that are in that range that would be a good value. And then I'm going to have a section of guys that may be worth reaching for. Um, and so my fallers, I've got uh, Bowl Bowl at 23 and Kevin Porter Jr. And with Bowl, he is a it, – it's been widely, you know, said that he's a top five talent but a top five risk. But Chris Vernon tweeted out today that he's talked to several people that are familiar with him and said that his uh, – the knock on him has gone way too far and that his, his reward heavily outweighs the risk on him. Um, and so I, I'm – if he is in 23, I agree with Joe Molinax. This is a no-brainer. You take him. Now, Kevin Porter Jr. is that kind of guy that we've been looking for for a long time, the the wing that's athletic and powerful and can create his own shot off the dribble and do those kind of things. But there are so many negatives surrounding him about his off-the-court character, his laziness on his court, his questionable decisions on the court, that I'm just not so sure um, if it's worth taking him um, there. Now, guys that are in that range that, that I think the Grizzlies should take a look at is, are Ty. Uh, Jerome from Virginia. Um, I'm not a big fan of taking Cam Johnson, but a lot of people that are that are uh, rooting for him to possibly be there at 23. And then I personally like um, KZ Okpala from from Stanford. Uh, I think a six nine small four that's a left athletic and, and has a little bit of a shooting touch and will rebound uh, is something valuable that the Grizzlies could take too. So those are some of the guys that I'm really. Um, looking at that 23 spot that I, I think I'd be happy with. A couple of other names I'll throw out there are Keldon Johnson, and, uh, and I think um, and this is another – I'm never good with names, but Matisse Seibel from Washington um, I think is, is I like another him. guy. Who, yeah, and, and I think that people will probably match him up. I like him as well. Like they'll match him up with the Grizzlies because of you know our pass and things like that. I like his defensive potential. I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, I've seen that he could be a 3D player, but if that's if he's developed the three-point shot. But, I mean, you could say that about a lot of guys at this spot. I actually think Kevin Porter Jr. would be a heck of a value at this point, but I agree. Do you really want to take on, you know, a guy who has so many, like there's just too many um, mentioned off-the-court issues for there not to be something there that 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 takes away from his value. Um, the guy that I was referring to before you mentioned your names was Cam Johnson. I know that people are saying he potentially could be the best shooter in this draft. 
I also know that he's 23. For the Grizzlies, I don't necessarily want to take, even though he's a good shooter, I don't necessarily want to take a guy this early who is that old. It's just it's just me, you know, being honest. A guy that I like there who I think that I would take if if he, you know, was on the board. I like Keldon Johnson. I think he has a sweet shooting touch. I think he can offer good defensive value. And I do feel like he he has he has the ability to have the highest ceiling as a 3D guy of any of the names that you mentioned there. Do you have favorable opinion of Keldon Johnson there, Justin? Or, or do you feel like some others have said maybe Ty Jerome is the way to go? Uh, well, there's certainly been people that have said that Ty Jerome um, is the way to go. But my my thing with Keldon Johnson is when mock drafts and player rankings started kind of coming out early on, um, he was he was high up there. Why is he slipping down draft boards? Um, I, I don't know um, exactly. You know, yeah, he's six six, but he's not a great shooter by any means. Maybe he can develop that shot, uh, but I just don't. I don't know. I, I've not been impressed with with Keldon uh, myself based on what I've seen. I think I'd rather have. A uh, Ty Jerome, who's a six-five ball handler who can shoot and uh, has the championship pedigree, and um, somebody that I think would would pair well with Morant, and if beside him, or maybe even being his backup. Then I agree with you to a point about Keldon Johnson. That's kind of one of the reasons why I think he's a good value there. He was highly ranked. I think what it could be his game just kind of like um, Cam Reddish. His game just didn't take off like others did. So that may be why he's kind of feeling, uh, you know, he's seeing his stock fall as the draft goes on. So we've talked about the potential of trading the pick. We've talked about the potential of staying and taking the pick. Obviously, in terms of a fit for the Grizzlies, it probably makes sense to stay, to get, you know, good opportunity to get a shooter and you don't have to give up further assets. Justin, what does your gut tell you? Do you feel like involving the 23rd pick the Grizzlies are going to stay and make that pick 24 hours from now, or it's going to be involved in another move to potentially get a better asset. Um, I think that if there's somebody that slips the Grizzlies love, they, they would use that and jump up. Um, but I think most likely we may see the Grizzlies uh, picking at 23. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. So say the Grizzlies stay at 23, they make their pick. And just like we saw, you know, the trade that occurred, uh, 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 Woj came out and said that the Bucks had traded, uh, I believe it was John Lur, and uh, the, the Pistons had just traded uh, John Lur, and I forget who the other part was. Tony Snell, right? Yeah, Tony Snell and the 30th pick went to the Bucks, went from the Bucks to the Pistons for John Lur. That may have been the only pick or that may have been the only part of the trade. But something like that, something to where a team with the, with the, with the later first or a second rounder, and they get a tr- contract they're trying to move, the Grizzlies may decide to take that opportunity on. Say the Grizzlies do that, or maybe they trade the 23rd pick back later in the first round to pick up a second round pick. Looking at the end of that first early second round opportunity, I know we hit on this a little bit on Monday, but just three names in that area that you're really interested in as far as if the Grizzlies land a pick there, you'd like for them to take. So you're talking late late first or early second? 
probably let, let's put it in that 27 to 35 range. 27 to 35. Um, I think you've got uh, Darius Baisley, um, Grant Williams, Matisse Thibel, uh, the Okiki from Auburn can play. Um, I mean, you could take chances there uh, on Jonte Porter, but uh, I think if, if I'm picking that range, I'm hoping that Baisley's sitting there or Grant Williams is sitting there and maybe uh, Thibel. I, I think that you that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think that there's I think that they'll draft boards when it comes to twenty five to forty, you could go several different ways. Um I, I'd like the Grizzlies to if they were to pick at that point, really pick a guy who has a high floor. I think that when you pick in that range, it's picking guys who have high floors, who offer opportunities, kind of like the two Tennessee guys, Admiral Schofield and uh, uh Grant Williams. Try to pick a guy who could really fit into your system. Yeah, he may only be a role player, but he's highly effective. He's got more value to you than he may have on other teams. I think that that's something to focus on in that 25 to 35 range. And as we really wrap up looking at the draft, Justin, we just saw that the, uh, the, the, I believe it was the Heat, the Miami Heat purchased, maybe the Raptors. The Miami Heat or the Raptors, they purchased the 44th pick from the Atlanta Hawks. Say the Grizzlies do that. Say tomorrow they, they just stand pat. They pick second. They pick 23rd. But they want to acquire a second-round pick. Who do you see? I know Terrence Davis is a name from Ole Miss. Who do you see as a second-round lottery pick that the Grizzlies could focus on? Maybe three to five names in that area you'd like the Grizzlies to focus on. Yeah, you, know, you said it. I'd, I'd love to see um, my boy Terrence Davis get picked up. Uh, people don't really realize. Uh, he can play like he can. Um, Daniel Gafford is a guy um, that I think people should look at. Um, I, people don't know about, much about this guy either, but Dylan Windler from Belmont, he can he can do it all. Um, that dude can flat out play, and he played well in the NCAA tournament. And uh, uh, you got Admiral Schofield um, and. Uh, Jalen uh, Lecue, I don't really know how to say his name, uh, but he's he's a guy that avoided or skipped going to college like Darius basically did, uh, but he's got a, a lot of talent. And uh, Luka uh, Simonic, some people have him going early second, late first. Um, so if he were to slip in the second round, I'd like us to buy in and maybe snag him too. And I think another person that I I like that I think Taylor Jenkins can find a lot of potential opportunities with I like Carson Edwards from a from a uh, Purdue. I know that you really don't want to you know we've already put a second round pick into a point guard type in Javon Carter last year, so on and so forth. But I think Carson Edwards is is really uh, someone uh, that 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 could be on that radar as well. So. Just a couple quick questions, Justin, then, as, as far as kind of a lightning round of things. At the end of tomorrow night, I'll give you over-under. Do you feel that the Grizzlies have – do you feel that the Grizzlies have two picks by the end of the night or that they have more? I think they have more. Do you – so that kind of answers my next question. Do you put the over-under for more Grizzlies trades at two or under? 
two or under on Grizzlies trades. Huh. Um, I'm going to say that we make one trade tomorrow. And that gets us that other pick. And then when it comes to the, the, the aftermath of the draft, do you feel like we could, or during the, excuse me, during the draft, do you feel like that we could see uh, Avery Bradley or, or C.J. Miles, Jay Crowder, Kyle Corver? Do you feel like that one of those trades will involve one of those veterans in order to gain an extra pick? I could see it being uh, Crowder or or Bradley, um, but I think what's going to happen is is most likely we'll take on the salary dump with a pick and um, – you'll see somebody like Bradley attached to that, just send another player um, to them that they can waive and, and be non-guaranteed. Um, and I guess Corver could be attached like that too. Any of those three are likely, um, but I think Corver is the least likely. And I think Bradley would go to be a non-guaranteed and Crowder could go to a team that's like, Hey, you know, we could use like, I think the Thunder could use Jay Crowder. Um coming off their bench, so maybe they could send Adams in the 21 and we'll send them, you know, crowd. At the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff to speculate. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We, we spent a good 35 minutes talking about it tonight. It's just so refreshing to see in just a matter of really four months, when, we, when me and you, Justin, really started, you know, our, our uh, you know, era of this podcast, when we were we were sitting here on a weekly basis, airing out our frustrations with the Grizzlies. And now, literally two to three months later, we have so much to talk about that's positive. Is it not refreshing? Is it is it not just exciting and nice to be able to have that feeling again to where, yeah, we're, we're doing a job, we're analyzing, we're talking about it. But part of the reason why we're enjoying it so much is because we have the passion of being a fan again, the passion of positivity. Just kind of comment on that for a minute. I mean, do, do, do you feel... Uh, that, that, do you feel that vibe? Or are, you, are you just excited with what's going on right now? Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't be. I know there's some Grizzlies fans that are just up in arms uh, on the Conley trade, but I, I just feel like that's because they don't um, see the full picture. Uh, they see the names that were brought in return, and, and they're not they're not looking at uh, long term what this means for the team and all that it creates. Um, it's been I don't know the last time I was this excited about Grizzlies basketball because um, I was. I mean, I wasn't excited about drafting Jaron Jackson Jr. when it happened last year. Now that I've seen the boy play and I've actually had conversation with him, like I'm, I'm so excited that he's a Grizzly. But then just seeing John Morant as, as the possibility coming in, um, this is one of the most exciting times to be a Memphis Grizzlies fan that there is. So, Justin, just a couple of general questions about the draft as we wrap up this edition of the 3D Podcast. Take the top three players off the board. Take the Pelicans off the board with what they may potentially do with the number four pick. Barrett Williamson, Barrett Williamson, we'll say Garland just for the sake of argument, and Morant are off the board. What player going to what team would you be most excited about in the lottery from all the potential possibilities that you've seen? Mm, um, I think I'd like to see Kobe White going to Phoenix. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm not sure 
he's the guy that's going to make the difference uh, for them. I think Darius Garland, the Phoenix, will make a huge difference for them um, at the team. So I'd be excited to see that. Um, I don't know, man. Um, hmm. I think somebody like a, a Nikhil Alexander-Walker going to one of the Boston picks would be a good pickup for them based on what's going on with them in their offseason. Um, DeAndre Hunter, if he could fall to Atlanta at eight, that would be a big – him or Cam Reddish going to Atlanta at eight. That's, that's the pick I'm, I'm really paying attention to is eight and seeing who Atlanta is able to snag there to put with their young core. You know, something that I would love to see, I, I think Brandon Clark to Atlanta, I think that if Cam Reddish and Brandon Clark are the eight and ten picks for Atlanta, that would be a haul. And especially if you, uh, on a small ball type lineup, if you would have put Collins and, and, and uh, Clark as, as your two bigs and then, you know, put Reddish out there with Huter and um, uh, 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 Young eventually, I know that may not be the most ideal lineup, but there's so much potential there. And Clark would bring a defensive stopper to that team. They would be so excited, you know, going on to the next two or three years. I, I really think that that is um, is basically something to look forward to. Um, when it comes to potential names that we could see traded, you know, we've seen Conley, we've seen Anthony Davis uh, happen. Couple of big names, either through a salary dump or you know through through you know needing just a new location. Couple of big names tomorrow night, Justin, that you think really do have a chance of being on the move uh, to a new team. We're talking NBA wide. NBA wide. Um, I think the smoke around uh, Bradley Beal could be real. Um, I. I would like to see Chris Paul traded just because I don't like Chris Paul. And um, I just want him out of the division so we ain't got to play him four times. Um, I I could see Bill being moved. Um, I could see Wiggins getting moved tomorrow. Somebody willing to take him on. Um, They might have to attach the 11th pick to him to do it. I don't. I don't know, man. A lot of the big names that are that are going to be on the move are are, are free agents, um, and I think Conley might have been the biggest move, uh, or biggest name out there that was going to get moved by trade. Um, so I, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of expiring contracts, a lot of uh, bad contracts moved, like Stephen Adams, Hassan Whiteside, uh, Schroeder, uh, Kent Bazemore. You'll see those level names. Uh, move tomorrow night, but I don't know how many of the the big big names that you're going to be like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you know that guy got moved. Kind of deal tomorrow. And then my final question is: is that when you look at all the different draft picks teams have, you know, obviously you could point to the teams with the most draft picks, but do you feel what two teams that you feel if they can hit with the picks that they have? it really could take them to the next level, whether it's a lottery team that could be a surprise playoff contender, and not necessarily Boston, you know, they're there, but just two teams who you feel really could be taken to the next level if they have a good night to, tomorrow night based off the picks that they make. Atlanta, for sure. Um, eight, ten, and they've got 17 now as well. Um, I don't know if they're like, 
building up for something big or if they're going to use all those picks. But I think they have a chance to really improve their team tomorrow night. Um, and then uh, hmm, a second team. Let's see. I think I'd have to go with – how can you not say the Pelicans? I mean, they're at one and four, and they're going to take Zion one, and then at four, there's no telling what kind of trade package they may get, who, you know, what may go down um, with that four pick. And so I think anything that they can add to uh, that haul they just brought in from the Lakers, I think the the Pelicans and the Hawks have the best chance to, to have a big night tomorrow night. For me, a team that I think that it, it, it's a lot of people are forgetting, but that that easily could be my my team. Both in the West, and the, I have one in the West, one of these. My team though with the West is is the one that's not getting any publicity in terms of our division, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. They're sitting there with nineteen and twenty nine. They can package those guys together and move up if there's a guy that they want to focus on. Or they can take a, a, you know, at 19, they can take a high ceiling guy. 29 can take a high floor guy. Put those into Popovich's system, and you've got two pieces there that easily can provide value to a team that gave Denver a good run, you know, in the playoffs. So I think that they're a team to watch out for. I also think that uh, Philadelphia is a team to watch out for as well. If they can hit, they they you know they hit on uh, Landry Schmidt, uh, the the uh, uh, last year, they have uh, uh, Jonah Bolden is another guy that they've hit on recently uh, that that a lot of people are saying has good value. Five picks this year, you know, uh, four in the second round, one in the first round. They potentially could move up if they find them, but they also could build them a really effective cheap bench if they hit on guys. So I think that San Antonio and Philly are surprise teams from tomorrow night that may have the best chance to uh, to really help their stocks out. Justin, before we head out uh, for this final uh, uh, 3D podcast before uh, what's supposed to be a really exciting night for Grizzlies fans, do you have anything to say or share? Uh, just some final thoughts of as we head into the draft tomorrow night. Um, no, just uh, be on Twitter uh, while you're watching the game. and we're, I'm going to be live tweeting the lottery uh, for the Grizzly Bear Blues account. And um, just – be ready for the Woj bomb. Just have a good night. Enjoy it. It's a big time for Memphis. Um, just, let's go, Grizz. It's going to be years until we truly know what the impact of all these moves are, until we truly know where this is going to take us. But that alone should not take away from the fact that tomorrow night should be cherished. Memphis has been through a lot over the past three years. We we relished, we loved the grit and grind era. Obviously, it was always going to have an expiration uh, tag on it. It it happened. We held on to it for too long, but we've so quickly been able to right the ship, it seems, that cherish tomorrow night, cherish the excitement. I know that a lot of people don't care about us, you know, getting national recognition and things like that, but you also can't deny the fact that it's nice to hear people outside of, of the city, people who usually think the Grizzlies are irrelevant, actually, you know, finding the Grizzlies relevant, finding them worth talking about. Cherish that and enjoy it. Like Justin said, he'll be on Twitter tomorrow night. You can follow him at J underscore Timberfake underscore. He'll be representing Grizzly Bear Blues on uh, the uh, Twitter site. Myself, Joe Moldax, Parker Fleming, Nathan Chester, 
Garrett, Greg Ratliff, a lot of GBBers, uh, John, uh, uh, John Martin, Jason Smith from 92.9, um, I Love Memphis, a lot of different groups and folks are getting together tomorrow night for the Bluff Party. Uh, please come out and support us there. We'd love to see you. I'll be there doing the raffle. Um, I mean, trust me, I look a lot better on the podcast than I do in person. But in general, uh, just want to thank you for joining us this week. And, uh, and, and for Justin Lewis, my name is Sean Coleman. Justin, hope you have a great night. Um, and at the end of it, man, I hope that we are able to get our point guard for the future and get this rebuild off to the right start. Thanks for joining us here on the 3 d Podcast. Good night.